I can't help it, you know. I can't help it. This is Mary X, not her real name. It's November past. It's not her fault. I want me to see the nurse when I go back. And ask the nurse to help you. Mary is afraid. She's having nightmares. Something happened to her in the last year. No, they can't help me. I have to see a specialist for that, I was told. Can somebody in the hospital help you in Portran if you're like having nightmares? Maybe they could give you a light sleeping tablet to help you sleep. We'll speak to to the nurse when we go back. Because that's what. I just don't tell anybody about it. No, but that's what happened. What if you have a nightmare? She's the mother of nine children. Some of those children are still minors. Naming this woman might identify those children. That's the legal position. They're protected by the Children's Act. Because you're not telling us. You're only telling your family. You're not telling nobody else about it. You're telling it. That way they're there. What's very, but it's. I can't help it. But you don't like to. It's don't just still on me mind. Don't worry about him. Don't worry about that. I don't know if it's bringing memories back to me. People, I can't help it. I'll say it to the nurse when I go back that you have a nightmare. Well, I just can't help it. Oh, it's not I'm your the fault. only one way I get out of the nightmares if my family's around me and I'm in their house. Yeah. I get out of it quicker. So if I'm in this house someday or you don't be a scared. I won't stop having nightmares, Jordan. You know you have to. You're the family around you. I would like to go to say Michael. In 1971, well, when I she was 10, she had an IQ no, of 40. The In the words of that time, she was mentally handicapped. I like to go out there. In a workshop? Like? Yeah. A pop-up one. Not I want one. to be with other people and say, Michael, with me laying. But we can... That, that can be arranged for you. I want to be with other people and say, Michael, so I understand. So you might need a little bit of counselling because it was a terrible tea you went through and it's only natural that you're going to be thinking about it. And maybe if you spoke to a counsellor, it'd help you a bit. Yeah. Because you you feel like you don't want to be telling everybody your business, don't you? Yeah, but they're listening that when I ring you up. I know. And they're throwing it back into me face, but I don't give a damn about my own kids. I know. I quite But you're not well enough like to look after your children. You still love them. I miss me. In 1971, yeah, no, she entered the care them. system in St Michael's house. Some people look forward to Christmas. Well, you look forward to Christmas. No. You'll be with your family. Now she's voluntarily Christmas. in St Ita's in Port Ran. But the best times of her life were spent in St Michael's house, and she remembers that. I know that. Says that is worrying me a lot because I don't like Portland. I like to be somewhere in St Michael's, you know, so I understand a bit more, you know. Her family want her housed closer to them. They say Eases is not a suitable facility. She needs one-on-one care, a stable and safe environment. Wouldn't it? It shouldn't be. It should only take about another three or four months. I can't help it, you know. All the time, she's haunted by her past. My name's and I come from a family of ten. 
And I have a sister who's mentally handicapped. Her name These are Mary X's sisters. But none of her family but can be identified because to identify them is to identify her. And in identifying her, we might identify her children. And the teacher there um, recognised that my sister was mentally handicapped and asked my Even so, this is the story of a real woman without a home, of missing files and of missing children. But she would have attended St Michael's School as a child growing up. Last year, she applied for her own file under Freedom of Information legislation. She would just kind of go around and she'd have a copy in her hand and a pencil and she'd be writing down all the registration numbers of cars. She was a good enough kid. She, like, she never brought Home visit, before, you know? 28th of May 1973. Very quiet at home, plays with her dolls in room most of the time. Home looks well cared for and is well furnished. Yeah, she, she wouldn't harm a fly. All her children, they love her. But unfortunately my mother passed away. 1974. She was brought four times to see the seventh son of a seventh son. Like even the incident that we went over to the Matter Hospital, we couldn't see for a while because our wounds were getting dressed. And when she did come out, she cried uncontrollably for about a half an hour. She was pulling her hair. She couldn't understand what happened to her. 26th of May, 1975. Psychological report. General impressions. Pale frightened-looking young girl. But again, no good. Nowhere for your sister. I mean, there's a handicapped girl with the brain of probably a 10 or 12-year-old after having 13 pregnancies, nine children alive, six of them who are very severely handicapped, causing the state of fortune, yeah? And all those kids just thrown everywhere. Out of the nine children, she gave actually had 13 pregnancies. We only learned that. We only that learned that. Recently. She must have had children you didn't know about till later then. The other child, she had 13 pregnancies. Yeah. But some of them are miscarriages. One or two stillborn, hadn't she? My mother years ago went before a judge and tried to get something done with her that she wouldn't be having children. But she'd be sterilised. And unfortunately with the religion. 30th of June, no. 1975. Yeah, Considered yeah. to be at yeah, risk. To Told mother, you know what I mean? very interested in boys. She said, knew when anything is wrong or dirty. So what we've got is... Yeah. And then we have... That's five. And then we have... Six, seven, eight, and baby... Nine. <laughs> <laughs> Freedom of Information, 1983. Depression and agitated state related to the death of a baby. Two babies in care, little insight into her own problems. He does. Like, he can't dress himself or he couldn't cook or he can't wash himself. But if I said to him, like, show me what you want, Chewy, he'd point and show me. Give them up to me. Goodbye, a packet of crisps. Now, he can't open them. He couldn't even take open a packet of biscuits, you know. I could say, can you try and open them for me? And um, what really depends on me for everything. And again, we're back to the HSA. Now, watch, he does this. I go, yeah, come on, go on. He does this. He gets a bowl. He puts it there. 
and you'd spill the crisps into the bowl. Goodbye, and you'd put the bag into the bin for me. Great. Now again, you would have learned all that, you know, um, before that the crumb bags and crisp bags on your floor. What do you want to show Peter? He wants a cappuccino. <laughs> Hand him down. He loves coffee and he loves cappuccino. Mm. Do you want to close the press? And do you want to show Peter your tablets? Where's all your tablets? Mm. Yeah, go on. By the way, he hates cigarettes. Mm. I wish I was like <laughs> These are his Eplin. And they're 300 mils. And he's on 900 mm. mils Eplin in the evening. Yeah. These are Tegretol and he's on 400 mils of those in the morning and 400 mils again in the evening. And these are kind of behaviour tablet, Respiritol, and he's yeah. on one of those in the morning and one of those in the evening. So he's inclined to get a lot of temperatures and with the temperatures they inclined to bring on the epilepsy. And he's often when it started off at one fit and it could go into 14, 15 fits. Um, I would have to lift him up. I live here on my own with a 15-year-old, my daughter, a 14-year-old daughter, and a 10-year-old daughter. And he is a tummy, and you eventually have to get him up onto the bed. Eighth of April, 1983, to Cherry Orchard Hospital. Dear, has been a constant anxiety to us. I think it would be better not to put on paper some of the problems she has presented me. Would be perfectly happy to see her go to stewards if they would take her. Perhaps you could refer her and would have more chance than we would. Yours? My nephew came around to me early in the morning. He was uh, eight or nine at the time and he was very upset. He couldn't wake his dad up. And I went around to the flat and eventually the police came and they kicked in the door and I had to identify the bodies. But I couldn't believe the conditions of the flat because I was upstairs and there was porn magazines everywhere. Like, it was just abnormal and they were visible that children could see them. They were in the wardrobes, they were lying on the floor. I went over to Donaldson on the north side and I took and I took him home here. And I'll never forget it because he, I had a chain around my neck and he ripped the chain and the blouse off me. His nails were real long and they were absolutely black. Now, I've never seen nails like it. His hair was down to his shoulders. He was walking with head lice. He was very undernourished. I'd say the child weighed probably about three stone and he was age 10. He lived on coke. I had to detox him off coke. Told me that she walked down Talbot Street one day from the flat down to Henry Street. I need about, about 10 bottles of Coke. Now, I'm not talking about large bottles, I'm talking about small bottles because he lived on bottles of Coke. And I had to detox him off the Coke and he was violently sick for, three for about three weeks. Black. All just black vomit coming out of him was all the Coke. Then I had to introduce him to food, solid food, and I used to liquidise. A child at 10 years of age, food. Uh, one day I'm, I've done him a fried egg. Now, granted, he couldn't swallow me, he'd choke. And I'd done him a fried egg and he just bent down like a dog onto the plate to suck the egg up. He didn't even know how to use 
a knife, a fork, a spoon, nothing. And I couldn't have a bar of soap in my house because he used to insert the bars of soap up his back passage. I used to have to hide the soap. But um, I really I really think, yeah, it was all hidden. Social workers hid everything. As she, my sister said, the files are missing. And he was like the mother. Even though was older, he'd have to bring down for his bus. They lived on the top balcony and would bring him down most moments that he did go to school to get onto the bus. He was dead about four weeks and we had to go up to the flat for bird certs. That's what it was for. And the guard had the case of the flat. So we went Fitzgibbon guard station and the guard met us. And we were quite afraid of bringing back up. Would he think that he was back in the flat? What would his reaction be because he's at to losing his father? And he's no way of expressing his feelings. And we got to the tower of the flats and we were at the bottom about to walk up and he would not go back up. We had to physically drag him up. We had to physically nearly carry him up the stairs, being trying to train him on how to use the toilet at this stage and things were starting to pick up with him. And when we went to the flat and we went in, straight away he walked straight into the kitchen and into the corner and urinated on the floor. <coughs> I thrown a tantrum in the flat. Even the guard realised, look, I just get what you have and get out quick. We got whatever we needed and left the flat. And his tantrum that day lasted for hours. Yeah. And maybe that's where his way of describing what went on, we don't know. There are nine children. Some of those children are lost. Freedom of Information, 28th of November 1988. Pleasant, cooperative woman of dull intelligence, speech slow but answers appropriate. Overly polite. Would you like a cake or anything? <laughs> well, if you want to know the truth, can I be honest with you? you Would you get me a hot cup of coffee, please? Of course. Yeah. It's like a jigsaw puzzle. Living with a schizophrenic man several years her senior. Freedom of Information, August 1983. First baby. Explain that little known of at the time of her first confinement. Had baby on ward but showed little interest. More concerned with putative father, an inpatient in the central mental hospital. Has talked about keeping the baby but made no provision. While inquiries were being made, absconded through a window on the fourth day following delivery and the baby was taken into care. It's like a jigsaw puzzle. And then we found out that Linda's eldest daughter is out in the Navin Road. She has severe... She has learning disabilities as well and she's autism and different, all different kinds of things. But we have been begging for years on where these children are, which is only natural if you like. It's like a jigsaw puzzle. And the social workers, we had meetings with the social workers, one meeting on the 21st of May 
where they promised they'd give up two weeks and they'd find the whereabouts of these children. Nothing happened. One day I just got so frustrated with them because every time it was just, we will find out, we're looking into it, that I took out the phone book and I was nearly eight or nine hours ringing up different places. I felt like a fool ringing them up. Hello, uh, can I speak to and it was about eight or nine hours and eventually we found our eldest daughter. Through the phone? Through the phone book. Oh, I found the Navin Road and I just said when I picked up the phone, can I speak to Or I'm wondering if you have there. And whoever answered the phone, I don't know, said, uh, who's this? So I knew straight away, this has to be where she is. And he said, I'll give you our social worker's number. And um, she has a lot of difficulties. I met with our nurse, who's a lovely, lovely woman. And she was just saying that, like, has autism and she's a personality disorder. And we hope to one day meet up with Junior, but it's going to be a very slow process. Like, we'd love to meet her tomorrow, but it has to be very slow. And it all has to be done properly on how we meet her, what we say what she could say to us. Her other brother, other child, he's 25, he was adopted. We only it. found out that he was actually adopted and she would never sign a form for any of her kids. And yet they told us, oh yeah, uh, that's okay. And I said like, how come he was adopted? And they said, yeah, after a number of years, it's allowed in this country. That's what you told me. So without any consultation mm. he's and you do you know where he is no we don't but a uh, social worker told that he's doing very well yeah and he's very happy and he's in a very lovable family and but, but like we're delighted to hear that that he is doing well and he's in a very happy environment but at the same time we're also annoyed that his own mother didn't know that he was adopted and we never knew Again, we feel it's just brushed under the carpet. Would you help out? Do you just tell you what you want to tell you, basically? And I think they never would have told us where those children were. Never. Because for years, my mother was told that they were fostered together. I mean, I said this, that our mother was told that they were fostered together. They were fostered together in a family. They were doctors, the family that took them, and they knew each other as brother and sister, and they were very happily together. And she even had pictures of both of them. Uh, my mother was alive when she had her first two children. And they told my mother that the people that were fostering the two children, that they were doctors, husband and wife, but they were doctors. And that they had a big loads of land and ponies and horses. And they brought pictures of the children up to my mother at that time. Yeah, so my mother was over the moon thinking, well, these two little children have, you know, a great future for them. And all the time they weren't, they were fostered out. It was heartbreaking for me to leave the Navin Road and come back because Junior used to wait for a phone call every Sunday. One phone call. From our foster From our foster family. And if that phone call didn't happen, Junior would be suicidal. Devastated. And, I mean, when I came out of Navin Road, I must have cried for about two days. And I said to myself, my God, to think how much family she has... 
and she waits for one phone call. Like it's heartbreaking. Like we could be ringing her every day. Aren't you still waiting? No, no, she's came to terms that the phone call mightn't happen every Sunday. But sometimes, rather than wait for the phone call and be let down, before that time came for that phone call, she might throw a tantrum that she could let herself down. Second baby. At the time, shared a flat on Manor Street. Social workers pressing for provision of accommodation as deemed to have ability to provide care for baby. However, no accommodation was provided and the landlord closed the flat when was in hospital. Later, a fit person order was taken and the baby was placed in care. Contraceptive advice essential for this patient. Another two children who we don't know nothing about. We just know that they're in England. They're two girls and I'd say one of them would be 21. And I'd say the other one would be about 19. And again, when I ask social workers about these two girls, they tell me they can't find out because they're in the UK. And the UK is very big. And how did they end up in England? Because seemingly the father of these children, he brought them to England. But when you look yourself at the... The history of those children, the fathers aren't able to look after no, the children. Not. No, they're not. No. Yes. So we're also worried about those two children in England. Are we going to have another horror story? Why was that man allowed to take that child out of this country? We know nothing about that man either. That's supposedly their father. And... We, and um, during the time when she had those children, you'd have lost contact with her or seen her more at one time than another. Yes, yeah. Would That would be the case. It would be, yeah. Like, I didn't know about her mother's death for nearly two years. The police were looking for her when she died, but they couldn't find her. So there, there is periods where it has gone missing mm-hmm. for two years and then just turned... Oh, turned up out of the blue. Out of the blue, you know. And this man... So God knows what life they're living. Have you any idea when they left this country? Yeah, they would have left when you... As far as I know, uh, one of them would have been about six and the other one would have been about five. Because he took her sister to England with him. Mm. And we don't know how long she was there. And we didn't even know she was there till she came back on the scene. As I said, I could see her every day for this week at your door. And you mightn't see her then for six months and you're worried sick about her. You know? And I've expressed all this to all the social workers. Are you going to wait till there's a death? I mean, the night that we went over to the matter and we followed the police, I followed the police car, we were devastated. We were, myself and my two sisters, we were road and crying. And we were following the guard of car and I said, wherever we look, you are not following the hearse. We're going in it. Come on, let Peter see your lovely bedroom. We need a poo bed. He has a big tigger upstairs, haven't you, up in the bathroom? Do you want to run up and bring it down and show Peter? What do you want to do? You want Peter to go with you? Okay. Now, Peter, nine times out of ten, you pick him up and bounce him downstairs. <laughs> Throw him down. Come on. It's in the toilet upstairs. You know where it is. Sitting in the basket where you left it. I'm actually looking for files seven, nearly eight years, and all the kids' files are missing. I mean, if 
anything happens tomorrow and I bring him to a doctor, I bring him to a hospital, my own GP, I know nothing about the child only since the day that I took him in. And I mean, the scar on his chest is this length, you know, like the length of a fork. I had to ask his younger brother, can you remember something that happened? Yeah, and he said, yeah. I remember he was in Temple Street Hospital, um, something to do with his rib cage, and his, he had a twisted gut. And that was part of the reason I couldn't eat solid food. <laughs> and where are you going to throw him? Careful with the yarn. Goodbye. And where are you going to throw him? Are you throwing him down the stairs? Or are you just going to carry him down? Mm. You're throwing him, are you? Mm. Come on. Mm. Now we got some bells. Mm. Now you can go down and catch him. Mm. I think he might be hurt, is he? Mm. Huh? Come on. Oh, God bless you. That's a big chick up here. Freedom of Information, 21st of June, 1993. Above lady referred to North Strand Clinic in North Strand, complaining of depressive symptoms. She was assessed by doctor, who concluded her main problem was getting access to two children in care. No formal psychiatric illness. How are you? Happy Christmas. Your husband came down from the collection. We were all on the phone for yesterday left St Eta's to spend Christmas and New Year with her family six weeks after that day in Portran. But when I'm down at Portland, I get terribly lonely on my own. She was still talking about St Michael's, where she went to school. And she has a wish and dream, Peter, haven't you? What's your wish and dream? St Michael's. In your own own place up around where? Here. Yeah. Where your family come come on. Come down to me. Yeah. Bring me out. Mm. Bring me shopping. Yeah. And come down to see how I am. They were driving me to drink. She disappeared yes. the previous week and it had brought back bad memories. I know. I'll tell you, I went missing last week. So I just went into town by mistake doing silly things, but I didn't mean to do them. I know that. But you know it's very dangerous in there, don't you? But what happened to you the last time? On your back? You wouldn't want the same thing happening to you again. No, you wouldn't. And I hear you use one out looking we for were, me too. We were. We were up in court that morning and we got a phone call from Paul trying to say you never come home. So after the court we went straight into Phoenix Park and all looking for you. And we drove all around the hostels and town looking for you. Well, I forgot to give you your Christmas card. Don't worry about Christmas that. is a big deal for her. Who's that? Santi. Who? Santi. She still believes in Santa Claus. Oh, God, Mama, Carl. She loves Christmas, uh, Peter, don't you? Yeah. Love it. What happened one day a long time ago, right? And the times back before the bad memories. I'll tell you the reason why. See? I wouldn't let no harm come to him. No, because you're loving me. Is that any of my kids? Oh, oh, your kids, you love. What happened one day a long time ago, right? 
I said to the policeman one day, have I got any say? And they go, no. At the time I saw her, 26th of February 1993, had a cut on her right wrist, which was a few days old. She said it had happened accidentally while working in the kitchen. She had numerous old linear scars on the inner and outer aspects of her right wrist and admitted a history of self-injury. We've been fighting an ongoing battle with the HSA in regards of putting it in a safe place where she won't be harmed. And we fear for her life. But 12 weeks ago, she was brutally beaten up, pushed into an open fire, and we believe raped. I received a phone call from the Simon community on the North Circular Road telling me that I needed to go to the Matter Hospital, that my sister was at being pushed into a fire. And myself and two sisters went straight to the Matter Hospital. And when we got there, there was a band guard and a guard, and it was very upset. She, she was act, act, She's like a child, so she was raw and crying. And she's very badly burned on her back and under her arm. And the, the guards took out of the hospital in a gown and one of my sisters went in the guard car with the police and I myself drove my car following the guard car. We went to the Phoenix Park where the scene happened, pushed into the fire and then we followed the guards to Cabra Police Station. When we got to the police station the guard said that we were to take her back to the Simon community. I would have personally brought home with me and looked after her that night But unfortunately, I have got four other children who attend school and need to be brought back to the matter at nine o'clock the next morning. So you know what he says to me? Do you know what that is? That's bringing memories back to you again. So you should talk to your family. Because sometimes the nurses down there don't listen to me. Some of them are okay with me, but some of them don't listen to me. It's just that I was a bit down and I was going like that during the night in the bed. See, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get over what happened to me back. I know that. But my husband says to me, it's still horse in there. Of it Even though you are over, it's still horse And then one night a couple came down to see me. Yeah. They had your man in custody and they let them go. I know. And did you tell Peter about the night that you got thrown into the, into the fire? You had to go back to the hostel? Yeah, I went back to the Simon and I was lying on top of the bed in pain. On your stomach? Yeah. And you were curled up like a dog? Yeah, all night. And Michelle brought you to the hospital? Yeah. And the hospital sent you home with us, didn't they? And he just put a blanket around you and he sent you out with the guards? Yeah. In Cabra Police Station. Yeah. And I followed the guard car in my car. Yeah. And when we got to the police station, they told us to bring you back to the Simon. Yeah. And the Simon had to bring you back to the Matter Hospital the next morning at 8 o'clock and you were rushed up to St. James's Hospital. Yeah, that's in the right. Born, yeah. And you were very bad, weren't you? I was. And the morning you were going for your skin graft, myself, we walked you down to the theatre, didn't we? Yeah. And what did we do when we were going down there? Because you were crying and you were very nervous and very upset. Um, Can you remember what we did? You asked us to walk. You were linking me. And when we got to the doors of the theatre where we had to say goodbye to you. Yeah. You asked us to please not let you go to say... Rosie. You asked us to say the rosary. So what did we say? 
We said three Hail Marys and an Our Father, didn't we? Yeah. And we were all crying. Yeah. And you went in and had your skin graft and he waited for you to come out. Yeah. They put in an awful night, was very upset, crying in pain. The next morning, a girl out of the Simon took back to the hospital and she was taken straight into James's hospital, into the Bourne unit. She remained in James's hospital for a number of weeks and she received skin graft to her back. And I got a phone call. Myself and sisters went over to see her every day in the hospital. I got a phone call and it was from a doctor saying, I'm taking down to St. Edith's home. And I asked her where was that home because I wasn't familiar with this place. And she told me that it was down in Portran. And are you still in pain because of the fire? Well, now and again, the skin on my back is coming a bit off me. When I'm having a bath every day, I have to get my hair and all washed as well. I couldn't help us. 8th of January 2000. Is now pregnant again and appears to be due baby any day. No concept of care needed for baby. Reported has been sleeping in fields. On occasion had to shave her hair. Infested with lice. It was decided... And after the rape and being thrown into the fire... She decided like that she she doesn't want to drink and she doesn't want to be on the streets because she was really scared. And she went into detox after St. James's Hospital for three weeks. And I suppose we knew something really bad happened from a reaction at the Matter Hospital. Like she cried uncontrollably. She was jumping up and down like, no, why did this happen? And she couldn't really talk to us about what happened. Mm. And when she went to detox on Usher's Island and the staff asked me, did you talk to herself? And I said, no, like, what you mean? And she said, like, would she be in the room and ever talk to herself? And I said, no. But she had been talking to herself in detox about the fire, different things. And it was very upsetting for us because we really, if you like, realised how much this affected because they said she was waking up during the night dreaming she was in the fire. She was also looking out the window thinking that the man that put her in the fire was outside the door. And she was quite shaken up. And when she did go back to the Simon after the detox, which the Simon were fantastic... On one occasion, my sister and her husband went to collect her to bring her to get her disability book. And I was in the car with him, sitting in the back. And she was actually hiding in the car, lying down on the seats when we went by the Phoenix Park. Don't go that way. Here she was, please don't go by there. And this particular man that did attack, just sitting there. And like, it's just sickening, sickening. And as I said, even to the guards, well, I wonder if she was a normal person, would something have happened? At the end of the day, her sister might be handicapped, but they're her children, they're flesh and blood, and we love them, no matter what, like, and whatever problems they have, of course, we, we love them and hope to get to know them all, and I think we have a right to know where they are and whether they're safe.
and what's been happening in their lives. But all our lives is affected by this. Our children are affected because just let's say my little fella will say I have a football match it's, it's happened with English mm. children. We have a match on. I can't go today. I have to go to a meeting. My, my other sister who can't be here this morning has seven children and like she's let down her children. And do you lose sleep and all that oh, as yes, well? Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. And what age is that? She's uh, 28. She had a mild heart attack a few months ago. Who's that? My, si- my oh, other sister. sister. She's only 28 years of age and she's seven boys. She just lives at the back of me. And she had a mild heart attack only a few months ago. We have to arrange babysitters to collect our kids from school while we attend meetings, sit in conference rooms. I've, I'm doing this now seven years going to meet and sitting in conference rooms where all top knobs having a meeting with them and they're saying to me, what would you like to see happen? And I'm saying, all as I want is a safe place for my sister, someone that will molly cuddle her, look after her and give her back what she deserves, love and affection. Myself, I'm on the verge of a breakdown, loads of times going into my doctor saying, please, I can't cope, my head is racing, it's like a heartbeat in there, jumping around in my head. You lie down in the room and spinning around because you're saying to yourself, what, what is going to be the outcome of it all? And then there the disaster happened. My sister was raped and burnt. And I mean, the, the new legislation that was brought out years ago, a few years ago, just for the kids. And look what's happening today. And then they write you a letter and say, we're investigating into it. Well, I don't see any investigation going on. But there's loads of letters out there. Letters. Our handicapped sister. No stable home for 25 years. Seven months after the first recordings on this programme were made, nothing has changed, for the better at any rate. The files on the two boys from the inner city flat are still missing, and nobody knows the whereabouts of their sisters who disappeared to England. Areas 6 and 7 will look after the matter. The woman at the centre of the story remains in St Etas. There is no home for her. In the last month, she appears to have developed epilepsy. The desperation of her sisters grows by increments. Extremely vulnerable when under the influence. On many occasions, victim of mental, emotional... But none of these people have been named. The law has protected their anonymity. To name them would have made it impossible to tell their stories. She seems to have fallen through the services net. Except that in making this programme, I know the law has failed these children. The constitution guarantees the family. But these children, these children have never known the meaning of a family, have never been dealt with in any holistic sense. There has been a worrying recent development. And the law, the law exists for itself. You have to ask yourself how much worse things could be for these children. We are requesting the Minister for Health and Children would conduct an inquiry in relation to the inadequacy of care. In not naming them, the law acts as a bulwark, protecting the institutions that have failed them from scrutiny. Loads of questions, but no answers. And do you know all your kids' names? Um. From the eldest town. See you, can you take? No, 
and we don't and baby I'm Francis. Where's Francis? He died. Handwritten note, no date. Freedom of Information, Document 55. Could this file be closed, please? Signed, Dear, as I've no contact with since 1993, I see no reason not to close the file.